a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. Sports Saturday. Saturday, a presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 11.60 AM. What is up, Cougar Nation? Welcome into another edition of Cougar Sports Saturday. We're live from Broadcast House in downtown Salt Lake City. Just walked across the street to uh, Vivint Arena. Really cool just to see all the all-star signage tonight. Look, there was some stuff yesterday. Tonight, to me, is really when it takes center stage with the dunk contest and the three-point shootout. I'm really actually interested to see Mac McClung in that dunk contest, the all-star game tomorrow. So, even though it's Cougar Sports Saturday, we're going to give you your BYU fix. We are going to sprinkle in some NBA All-Star because it does not come around town very often, Mitch. It does not. And last time it was here was in 1993. And a lot of nostalgia, I think, for people that got to experience that back in back in the day. And and the NBA oh, All-Star game. Baby. Like, yes, the 90s. I will say, Ryan Smith, he is very good at linking back to people's nostalgia. He does an outstanding job yes, of that. When does. I saw the the pictures from NBA Jam Session here in Salt Lake of that colorful hoop arch, I was like, man, I remember that as a kid. Like it's <laughs> It unlocked a core memory seeing that. And I remember wearing a Lakers shooting shirt, getting an upper deck card printed off for me. It said, Mitch Harper, my college, of course, my choice was was BYU on my upper deck card. It was sweet. Like I, It was this unlocking all these memories. So to see the best players in the world going to be taking center stage across the street, that's pretty cool. And, and uh, it's awesome to have kind of the basketball world descending on Salt Lake City and uh, this great state here this weekend. So we will have some check-ins on the All-Star Weekend. One of the KSL Sports reporters, Kyle Ireland, going to be joining us. He's been covering all the ins and outs of the All-Star, so he'll be joining us in hour number three. We will talk BYU. We're going to start with that. We'll have Dave McCann joining us in one hour from now to break down some BYU hoops. I know we said this last week, but we don't want to talk about it, but we are obligated to talk about it. So we will break down what's going on with BYU hoops, a three-game losing streak. We'll touch on that with Dave. And we'll, hey, we're not that far away from spring football, so we're going to get you some spring football. But Mitch, we got to start things off with what the heck happened on the hardwood 
uh, a Thursday night. The leadoff. A look at the stories making headlines right now. It's time for the leadoff on Cougar Sports Saturday. BYU basketball had what I thought was a new low this season. They lost to Santa Clara 81 to 74, and it was a game that was not as close as that final no. score would indicate. And Santa Clara, they're a good team. They could win the WCC tournament this year. They they really are a talented basketball team. But it was a BYU effort that was non-existent in that first half, and they basically got ran off their own court. They made it a little bit more interesting in the second half, but still, Santa Clara controlled that game, and you're now wondering with this BYU team, this is a long game. Mark Pope talked about that earlier in the week again. This is going to be a long game with this program trying to build something different for the Big 12, but I felt like this took a, a massive step back in that long game and really... Kind of reshaped the thought and feelings about this team where maybe we were two weeks ago. It's it's impossible for them to be a top four seed at this point in the upcoming WCC tournament. I think they'd have to win out to even get the fifth spot in the WCC tournament. So things are are tough for BOU basketball. To me, what happened Thursday night, Mitch, was really quite simple. You can only have so many painful losses in in conference play to where it takes a toll that you can't come back from. And I just felt like... When they lost to Gonzaga at home in early January the way that they did, and then they fought back and played well after that, that was impressive. That was a a gut punch to lose to Gonzaga in that fashion, to be on the free throw line, to guarantee a chance to to go to overtime. And you can't make your free throws, and then you lose on a long three and where there's a defensive breakdown. That hurts. They bounce back from it. Really impressive. A few weeks later, St. Mary's comes to Provo. Uh, Some guys miss the game for a violation of team rules. You're shorthanded. You should have won the game. They outplayed St. Mary's. To lose that game in that fashion, another gut punch. And then you bounce back a little bit. Then you suffer that setback a few weeks ago on the road at Pepperdine, a a game that you should not lose. That team is no good. Pepperdine's no good. You're wondering, last Saturday, what's going to happen with Gonzaga on the road? Gonzaga, are they going to play? Are they going to compete? Or are they going to get roughed up by Gonzaga in round two? They I maybe could have won that game against Gonzaga. I, I felt like the home games, they they were the better team. I felt like that game last week in Gonzaga, they were good enough to win, but it, it didn't feel like, oh, they absolutely should have won. And they that one slipped away, and that's when I kind of felt like it, this season's over. You can only sustain so many of those type of losses before it beats you down. It breaks your soul. And I, I felt like that's what happened Thursday night was this team has taken too many punches. They've taken too many gut punches, and maybe they've lost some belief in their goals, in in the program. However you want to describe it, it just felt like to me this uphill climb is too difficult at this point. Because that first half, Mitch, against Santa Clara was uncharacteristic of a Pope's team. There was, there was little effort. They gave up 47 points to Santa Clara in the first half. They were getting blasted in the paint. They got beaten on the glass. It was just, and Pope has talked about this before, in the middle of the year, when they were winning games that maybe they shouldn't have, Utah comes to mind. How did they do it? Effort on the glass. They were beating teams on the glass. That's an effort thing. That was absent Thursday night, and that to me was just a sign of, this season has been so hard. We've had so many heartbreaks. How many more can we take? And, uh... If that is if what I saw Thursday night is what I think is happening, 
I don't think they have a chance tonight, and I don't think they have a chance in the WCC tournament. This loss on Thursday to Santa Clara, you would think, oh, did they have 20 turnovers? No, they only had nine turnovers. Shot the ball from the field, 41%. Eh, it's not great. Three-point shooting continues to be a problem with this team, up yep. and down 22% against Santa Clara. They didn't make a three-point shot until 16:49 left in the second half. Not good. And first time in the Mark Pope era they go an entire first half without knocking down at least – one three. So this is an up and down team, and I feel like it, it, it feels like they are ready to check out on the season. Very curious to see how they bounce back tonight against St. Mary's. But I think what that loss kind of represented, Matt, is that the, okay, everyone. I think all Cougar Nation understood that this team was not going to be an, a tournament team. Right. I, I think everyone looked at it and said, "Okay, you lose Barcelo, it's going to be a bit of a transition." You. Maybe in a best-case scenario, it's NIT. I I think, again, what's difficult to stomach, though, is how does Santa Clara look light years ahead more talented than BYU? I don't care what Santa Clara has become. they got a good coach in Herb Sendek. Still, Santa Clara. And they look light years ahead of BYU in terms of talent. Next year, you're going into the toughest league in America, and I think that's what makes this season so concerning because if you were in the WCC next year— you're going to turn it around. You'll probably get to 10 wins, 9 wins. You'll, you'll bounce back. You'll get to the NIT. But you go you know, 6-8 and eight in WCC play, 16-13 and 13 overall. Basically, that's 14-13, and 13 really, because you have two games against non-D1 teams. You're a 500 team against D1 competition this year. What's this going to look like in the toughest league in America? This roster looks like it doesn't belong in the Big 12 at the moment. And that's why Mark Pope has leaned in on the long game narrative, and rightfully so. But uh, that long game doesn't get – you don't have that luxury as a coach when you're having lack of effort and bad performances like this. And people go, what's going on here? This has got to get fixed in a hurry. And that's why this offseason is going to be so critical. But to see lack of effort at home in the Marriott Center, that's alarming. And that, that just never happens from BYU teams. I just hope that – it's not so much an indictment of where the program is and more yeah. so what's happened this year. It's just it's been a hard year. Spencer Johnson going down early hurt. I think he's if, if he's not been the best player on this year's team, he's what? Second best? Spencer yeah. Johnson's had a great year. He's been instrumental. Losing him hurts. Those losses I talked about hurts. So I think maybe that's just more circumstantial to what has happened this year than what what's what's happening. But it is concerning for sure when you look at Every single week, ESPN's College Game Day for basketball, they're visiting, a, a, it seems like, a Big 12 team. They were at Kansas this morning. They were at Baylor. It's just like we're always in either the SEC or the Big 12. And how are we going to compete in that league when a team like Baylor, who very easily could find themselves in the Final Four, they're talented enough, and, and they've sort of righted the ship. They're 0-3 to, to start. So it's it, it is – painful right now uh, to watch this. And I think some of it too, Mitch, is look, BYU basketball, they do have a high standard and rightfully so. BYU fans expecting 20 wins in the WCC. That's fair. I think that is a fair standard. It's going to have to be recalibrated for the Big 12. Absolutely. But in, in the WCC, that's a fair standard. And when you aren't going to meet that goal and coupled with that, the style of play is not great. Poor three point shooting, uh, slow, uh, frequent offensive performances that leave a lot to be desired, turning over the ball, like that compounds 
with the losses. That it's not a fun style of play. Like if, if, if this was the same team with the same record, but they were like Utah State, top five. Last I looked, they might still be number one in three point shooting. If they were, if they had the same record, but they were Utah State's three point shooting team, we'd feel differently about this team. You sure. know that you would because it would be a fun style of play, even though you can get beat that way. But it's fun. And right now, BOU basketball to watch is not fun, and they're not winning. It's, that's a bad formula, those two things put put together. Mark Pope wanted wanted an up-tempo team coming into the year. They're about 40th nationally in tempo ratings by Ken Palm. Uh, you know, some games have inflated that number. There's been other games where it's been slowed down, and it feels like St. Mary's-type levels of tempo. Mixed bag for BYU this year in that regard because I think Mark Pope, to his core, wants to have one of the fastest teams in the nation, a high-scoring offense, because he knows he can then pull heralded guys out of the portal to that uh, pitch. When play. you have that, they've done it. You know, And I think that BYU, and I think that Mark Pope is the right coach for BYU. I think any suggestion of him not being the man for the job is, is way pre- premature, in yeah, my opinion. I agree. I think Pope definitely is the guy. But I will say, Matt... That he has been a guy that, you know, I feel like maybe it's the stresses of the Big 12 coming up, the the struggles on the court, the dynamics in the locker room. I, I don't know, but it feels like he is a different guy from what he was in year one in terms of maybe it's he's, he's feeling a little bit less uh, jovial, like a little bit not as happy as, as he was because these past two years have, have taken a toll on him and... And, you know, I, I think that he's got you, – you hope that there's the alignment above him, that they are, everyone's on the same page for that long game because if that's not there, you got to have – because when you're playing a long game in college sports, you better hope that everyone is on that same page. And when there's a high standard at BYU to win, uh, that's going to take some adjustment for people because we're, you're just not used to seeing BYU basketball struggle and go through a season where – you're saying they're not even good enough to go to the NIT, and that's where they're at right now, and uh, that's just not good. And there, there's uh, there's more talent on this team than what they've put out. I think they're still going to have to retool the roster a little bit this offseason. There's going to be a lot of decisions that have to be made still. But you need to keep your core. Roster retention needs to happen. you yeah. got to pair it up with some you know talented transfers potentially to, to supplement this roster. I'm, I'm with you on, on Coach Pope. I, I think he's the right guy. I think it's definitely premature to say – uh, let's find someone else. However, one thing that has gotten under my skin a little bit this year is just the the unpredictability of rotations. Uh, and Thursday night was Thursday night was a glaring moment where it just didn't make sense. Noah Waterman plays 18 minutes. He is in a a brutal shooting slump. He's sub 20 percent from three in conference play. He goes 0 of three. He plays 18 minutes. Jackson Robinson, look, he had a tough game. He played a lot in the first half, plays none in the second half. Trey Stewart gets inserted in the second half. He has a great game, nine points, a career high for Trey Stewart. He had great energy, a couple steals, a couple plays that don't register on the stat sheet. And he gets subbed out in late in the fourth quarter, and you're wondering, this, this is the guy that brought the energy. So this year, I know there's been injuries. I know there's been you know off-the-court off stuff with the team rule violation, but they have never settled into a rotation I don't think guys know when they're going to play, and it's just been bizarre, the substitution pattern this year, and I I think that's a fair criticism. 
BYU St. Mary's tonight. Tip off at 8 o'clock here on KSL. We'll talk some more BYU hoops on the other side. Let's take our first time out here on Cougar Sports Saturday, live from Broadcast House here on KSL News Radio. Welcome back in to Cougar Sports Saturday. Thanks for listening, however, and wherever you're listening. Matt Bayamate and Mitch Harper every Saturday from noon to 3 talking BYU. And today, we're going to sprinkle in some NBA All-Star talk as well. It would be a crime not to with the All-Star game right across the street as we're coming to you live from Broadcast House. i got a question for you, Mitch. It's a BYU basketball question, and then we're going to move on. We're, we'll, we'll circle back around because BYU plays St. Mary's for the final time in Moraga. Later in the show, we'll break that one down and give you some predictions. But this will be BYU's final road game tonight as a member of the WCC. Okay, They will uh, move on. They will not play another road game. Their last game's at home against San Francisco. Then it's off to the tournament. So they will have finished playing 99 conference road games in their time in the WCC. What percentage of those road games has BYU won? I would say 58, no, 56%. That's a remarkable guess. 57%. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. That's not good. No. Like when you think about where BYU was at when they joined the WCC, if you would have said a decade later, you'd win 50% of your road games, you'd say that's unacceptable. Yeah. Because the way that I think about it is, okay, you're probably going to lose every. I'm just thinking from a from a decade perspective. If you if you lose every game on the road to Gonzaga, you lose most games against St. Mary's and one other game a year. You'd only lose about 25 games in a decade on the road. That's they why did, no they one, did way more road losses than that. No one is going to miss the WCC era. It's been just an underperforming era. It's been lackluster. Hopefully they can shock us all and do something in Vegas. I don't I'm not sensing it, but I don't think anyone's gonna miss the WCC era. Let's take a timeout. On the other side, we'll get to some BYU football talk. Everyone's excited for that football in the Big Twelve. Let's hit on some of that next here on Cougar Sports Saturday. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. Sports Saturday. Saturday, a presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back in Cougar Sports Saturday on NBA All-Star Weekend here in Salt Lake City. Man, it has been cool. There's just so many big names here in Salt Lake City. We walked over to Vivint Arena right before the show. There's a great picture there with the jazz note and behind it. And there's these huge banners, LeBron James, Luka Doncic, Lori Markinen. It's pretty cool to have the NBA All-Star Game here in Utah, and I, I think the Jazz have done a, a great job as an organization putting on this event. I, I'm really looking forward to tonight, seeing the three-point shootout, even though there's some names in there that I wish were there. It's kind of a bummer not to have Seth Curry be in the three-point contest because he's injured, but yeah, it's 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 fun. The dunk contest, I'm curious to see how that goes because that's been trending down over the past, what, I don't know. Ten years. What was the last memorable dunk contest that comes to mind? 
Gosh, it's been a minute. I mean, I, I, I still think back to my favorite was 20 years ago, the Vince Carter one. It's over. But then also the Dwight Howard one with the birthday uh, cupcake. Blake uh, Griffin. Blake Griffin was good jumping over the Kia. Uh, so th- there's been there's been some great ones. Uh, recently, though, it's kind of eh, been just average. I the uh, I am kind of interested, though, in this year's dunk contest because of Mac McClung. Yeah. And Mac McClung actually was asked earlier this week at his press conference about if he's ever visited Utah, and he said that he has when he took an official visit to BYU and gave high praise to Mark Pope in BYU basketball, which was kind of cool. And again, highlights. I know we were talking BYU hoops in the previous segments. Mark Pope could you know have that recruit. ability. He can recruit, man. It's the NIL name, image, and likeness kind of you know pay for play a little bit turned everything upside down. For this coaching staff, but uh, a lot of events going on in Salt Lake. You can go to kslsports.com and, and check out all the all-star events like the ice buckets at Charlie Square, which is a free event, so you can go shoot hoops in the ice buckets. Walker Kessler, the jazz sensation, a rookie from Auburn, he's at a Walmart here in Salt Lake doing a meet and greet right now up until one thirty. And then there's also things at the Gateway, a lot of things going on. So highly recommend you going to kslsports.com and seeing the full rundown. Charles Barkley is going to be at J-Dogs at City Center uh, coming up a little bit later today as well from 1 to 4. I think I might have to go hit that up Seriously. afterwards. We might have to go to City Creek and go see the Chuckster and go see him and, and, and enjoy some J-Dogs over at City Creek. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> that sounds great. I, I, I will say this. So... Last time the All-Star Game was here was back in 93. I went as a kid. I don't remember it at all, but I have pictures of me being inside Delta Center, sitting in those green chairs. I imagine I was watching a practice. I don't even know. But it was free to attend that back in 93. It's way harder to attend some of this stuff now. That that would be my, my big complaint is even some of the events that are, are ongoing right now are ticketed events. And that's kind of a bummer. Like, the the practice wasn't cheap to go to the All-Star Game practice <laughs> up at the Huntsman Center. That I, that might be concluding right about now. We'll get a report on that from Kyle Ireland at, at 2 p.m. right here on KSL News Radio. But I just wish there was a few more free things. Maybe the Salt Palace event, maybe that could have been free to where you could just go in and walk around. Because it is kind of a bummer that a lot of this stuff is free. Or not free, I mean. Yeah. So, just I, look, the NBA is in a much different place today than it was in '93. I get that; it's way more popular. There's way more demand. However, you know, it's not going to come back to Utah for a long, long time. And when it the the few times that it comes to Salt Lake City, you'd like to have a few events where you can just show up free of charge and and partake in the festivities. Yeah, very expensive event, uh, this All-Star, which was all set by the NBA's pricing. I'm sure Ryan Smith would have made it a little bit more affordable. Again, he seems to kind of link the nostalgia bit. Yep. Uh, but even you know, even regular jazz games are still in a price range that's far different than 30 years ago. But, yeah, this All-Star weekend is, is pretty cool, what's, what's taking place. I, I remember being there at – I didn't go to the, the game or anything like that or the Saturday night – all-star event back in 1993 but I was there at the jam session as a kid at the old salt palace I remember my dad too participated in a three-on-three remember those like round ball ruckus hoop it up sort of events back in the day 
Uh, they had one of those NBA jam session three on three, and uh, my dad and my uncle, my uncles, they were in a, in a in a three on three tournament. I remember as a kid watching that. I was like six years old or something. One of the few memories I have as a young young kid like that. It all centers around sports. Uh, you know, my my mom will ask me, "Hey, Mitch, do you remember this time we went to this zoo or something like that?" No. Oh, you remember that time BYU played Oklahoma in the conference? Hey, yeah, I, I remember that doing this and this. Yeah, so anything with sports, I can always uh, you know pull out some memories. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool to see the All Star Game back. And let me ask you this: It's pretty awesome to see. If you could choose one event to attend this weekend, would it have been the game or something else? All Star Saturday night. The, th- the my favorite event the skills. The three point is always been from the get go. The the three-point shootout. Yep. I love the three-point shootout. I remember highlights as a kid of watching Larry Bird in his shooting shirt, knocking down threes. I just have always liked that. And the three-point contest has always been one of my favorites. And it seems like the Lakers, I know we're probably not you know, speaking to the uh, the right audience here in Salt Lake City, but the Lakers never had like these ace three-point shooters. You know, They'd have Glenn Rice back in the day, but... You know, I remember Jeff Hornacek won some three-point contests, I think, back-to-back. I've always loved the three-point shootout. I love that red and white blue ball. I remember as a kid, I had a rack, and I tried to simulate that. My my, my parents got me a, a three-ball rack, and I had a few basketballs, and I'd shoot it out in front of my house. I'd, I've always liked the three-point shootout. So I think going to that, I've never been to one of those, uh, would be a lot of yeah. fun to, to go see tonight. I'm with you. Saturday night would have been fun. Here's the guys in the three-point contest, if you didn't know. And... This is a separate convo, and we can get into it if I want, if we want to. What can the league do to make sure its best players are participating in some of this stuff? Because here's the three-point contest players. Jason Tatum, he's one of the best. Yeah. That's great. Kevin Herter, Sacramento Kings. Tyler Hero, Miami Heat. Tyrese Halliburton, Indiana Pacers. Buddy Heald, Indiana Pacers. Damian Lillard, maybe, maybe that's the name, the marquee name mm-hmm. from Portland. Lori Markinen. From your own Utah Jazz and Julius Randle, who was an alternate. Look, you and I know Julius Randle from yep. our Laker fandom days. Not the best three-point shooter, I would say, in the league or even on the Knicks team. He replaces Portland's Anthony Simons. There's a lot of big-name three-point shooters that I just wish were playing in this. Like, I get it. Steph Curry's hurt. Why is Clay Thompson playing in this? Yeah. It just... Where are some bigger marquee names? Because even five or ten years ago, it felt like you're getting Curry, you're getting Clay, you're you're getting the top of the top three point shooters. This group, there's some good shooters in here, but it's it, it's other than Tatum and Lillard, you're really lacking marquee names. Yeah, the the era of load management in the NBA. Uh, even when it's All Star Weekend, these guys want their break and their rest, and I get that. That's that's fine, but you know it's. Like then Devin you, Booker should be in this. Then when you have the fans pay, paying such a premium, you want to see the best of the best when you're paying thousands of dollars. Like Saturday night's event is, is not cheap. <laughs> you got to pay four figures to get in that building. I I remember thinking naively, like I'm going to put my name down on the wait list for the Sunday game. This was months ago. <laughs> and then when those prices came out, I was like, oh, <laughs> I need to get a pay raise here at KSL to go to the All-Star game with my kids. That was insane. Garage sale. You got everything you have. <laughs> Again, that lower bowl. You're looking at like twelve grand right now. It's it's insane. But uh, you know th- that's which you can stomach if you're if you've got Devin Booker. 
I don't know Clay if there's Thompson. any sporting event I would pay twelve grand for okay, one ticket. Hold on, first off. There's no there's no sporting event that would have spent twelve thousand dollars for one BYU and the Natty. That might be the only thing, and that's still twelve grand though. Are you kidding me? That's insane. That what are we getting what are we doing? Look, the people that are attending this game, they've got twelve grand to blow. Like, okay, I get it. It's the corporate sponsors, yes. it's not the everyday fan, which is kind of a bummer though, because for sure it's a huge bummer. Thirty years ago you could get in for like ninety bucks. Like I could I'll do ninety bucks. I'm just saying there's gotta be Clay, Devin Booker, uh I wouldn't even mind seeing Jokic in the three point contest yeah. or Jamal Murray. Like, where are the players from the top teams in this game? It, it's just Chris Chris Middleton, why, why it's just I don't know. It it feels like this event, as cool as it is, and I'm not saying it's not cool. I think it's great. It, it's gonna be so much fun tonight watching. I'm just saying, what's with the trend? I mean the dunk contest like Vince Carter, Kobe, yeah. Blake, Dwight. The who's who. Mac McClellan is Wilkins. barely hanging on in the league. He's bouncing around. <laughs> Two-way and contract guy. I, and I think he's going to put on a show. He said he's got two dunks planned tonight that no one has ever attempted. I'm stoked for that. But it, it, it's I'm not- also going to be sad because that could have been in the Marriott Center. That could have been BYU, Mac McClung. I would have loved that. That would have been two years ago. That would have been with Harms, right? Yeah. Wow. Can you imagine... That team on ESPN. Where does BYU fall on this ranking? We'll discuss that on the other side. Welcome back in Cougar Sports Saturday. Here on your legacy home of the BYU Cougars. KSL News Radio. Every Saturday from noon to 3, we're live Talking BYU sports here on Cougar Sports Saturday. Mitch Harper, Matt Bayamonte. BYU football will be back in action on March 6th. Spring football going to get started. It will conclude on April 15th, but there will be a spring game on March 31st from 3 to 5 at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. So that's kind of a, a new wrinkle to the offseason calendar for BYU this season. What's also a new wrinkle is Big 12 affiliation. And with that comes the daunting challenge of competing in a Power 5 conference. And, Matt, there was a power ranking that was released earlier this week, S&P Plus, which was created by ESPN's Bill Connolly. And in his rankings, he has BYU number 62 overall. Pretty average. That's you know a little bit above the middle of college football. That's, that's respectable at this juncture of this offseason for this team. What's maybe more notable is that BYU checks in as number 14 out of a 14-team Big 12. Dead last. Do you buy that, Matt? Do you think BYU is going to finish last in the Big 12 this year? No, I don't think they will, but it's certainly in the uh, deck of cards that that they could finish last. Here's the thing. BYU has a lot of nice pieces on this roster, and we're going to break it down for the next eight months. Oh, yes, we will. To me, there's really two facets of the game that if BYU improves in, there'll be a bowl team. I think it's that simple. And those two things are total defense cannot be at the bottom of college football. If you can get that to the to – the, if they can get to the 62, if they finish the year as the 62nd best defense, and one thing that kind of flew under the radar last year offensively, not good in the red zone. Yeah. 
bad red zone offense. And and that was a emphasis of Jeff Grimes and Aaron Roderick in their early days together. We've got to be a good red zone offense. They were not good last year. If both of those facets of the game can be in the 60s, that team's going bowling. It's that simple. However, it's a difficult league. It's a hard schedule. They have never played this many Power 5 teams in one schedule. So I can see that. And in regards to the S&P Plus, Mitch, I think there's a lot of change, too, that that maybe factors into that, where if you were bringing back a couple guys that declared early, I don't think they're dead last. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, returning production and recruiting rankings play a significant role in determining these rankings. So that's why you have Texas, number nine overall, number one in the Big 12, and then Oklahoma, number two in the Big 12, number 14 overall. Oklahoma's not the second-best team in the Big 12. No. They're, they're not, but they've got huge, really talented recruiting classes coming in, so that's going to skew the numbers quite a bit. Oklahoma's had a massive roster overhaul this offseason. It's kind of a new team again for Brent Venables after they finished 6-7. and seven. BYU will not be the last-place team in the Big 12. Could they be in the bottom three? That's very possible. Uh, but I think BYU will be a tough out. This league, and what's notable here, too, in these S&P Plus rankings – you can go see the full list on kslsports.com. You've got six teams ranked from 34 to 45. Seven if you go all the way up to 50. 34 to 50. It's toss-up football every week in the Big 12. Yep. And I think that's, again, what makes this league uh, such a unique conference. And I think it's going to be kind of the the college football fans' favorite league from a who's what's going to happen every week. You know, we know what's going to happen in the SEC, Georgia, Alabama, maybe LSU sprinkles in and wins one, but it's the usual suspects. Same in the Big Ten. Big 12, TC might have got to the national title game, but they could finish 7-5, and five, and someone like Iowa State could emerge as the 10-win team. It's all on the table in the Big 12. BYU, I think their ceiling, best-case scenario this year, they go 8-4, and four, best case. Low end, 4-8. and eight. If the wheels go off, they have a lot of injuries – but one thing that gives me confidence is that BYU's defense will be better this year, especially on third down defense. I was looking at Jay Hill's defenses at Weber State, ninth nationally in the FCS in third down defense, 25th nationally in, in third down defense. Get off the field on third down. Every week last year we were talking about, can this defense get off the field on third and short or third and long? They couldn't. And I feel like with Jay Hill, that element alone – they will find ways on a third and seven to get off the field and give Keaton Slovis and Aiden Robbins and the offense uh, the ball. And and I think that's going to be huge for BYU. It's going to be complimentary football for BYU this year. And, uh, you know, this, but, you know, it's kind of nice, too, to be in a circumstance where expectations are low. So when your Ute fan neighbors tell you, you guys always think you're going to win the national championship, uh, picked last in the Big 12 this year. <laughs> so recheck that, buddy. There are so many new pieces, too, that I think could totally skew this. Like, And, and it, it starts with Keaton Slovis. He was not very good at Pitt. No. Statistically speaking, he's on the decline. However, he's also had great years at USC. So if you can recapture the magic of Slovis at USC, then I feel a lot differently about this ranking because I would put him in the middle tier of Big 12 quarterbacks. Yeah. But if he continues the trend that we saw at Pitt, then that's not good for BYU. And you can really do that at nearly every offensive position. 
You go down running back, Aiden Robbins. Can he duplicate with what Chris Brooks did? You would say, on one hand, yeah, I think so. I, yeah, and I wish Brooks had gotten more carries last year, but maybe he doesn't. And if they don't have as good of a running game, does that hurt the passing game? So th- there is a a wide margin of of you know, the, the variables are so wide for this BYU football team. It, it's not a team that has a uh, low ceiling and a low floor like. I feel like it's there's there's actually potential for a high ceiling with this mm. team. However, there's also potential for a high. You know, I know this doesn't make sense my analogy, but like the the floor could be deep. You know, yeah. So there's a, a wide range here with what could happen on this team, and I'm really looking forward to spring ball, Mitch, because I think we're going to learn some stuff. I want to see is Slovis going to be a leader? This spring football period to me has been so eye opening in the past couple of years. When Zach Wilson went to the NFL, that next spring football, Jaron Hall just looked different, felt different. There was the all-in commitment to football. You noticed it in spring football. There was a, an aura about him that you just felt like, this guy's going to win the job. He won the job, and he had a great career at BYU. Are we going to feel that way about Keaton Slovis? Or is it going to be Jake Retzlaff or Kate Finnegan, quite frankly, who's going to be healthy for spring fo- football for the first time in his, his entire tenure at BYU? Is one of these guys going to pop in spring football and create some momentum? This is where it all begins. Running back, too. Uh, Aiden Robbins is not going to participate. Does that open the door? Does Miles Davis or Hinkley Rapati just blow us away to where they have to split the backfield with him? Receiver, is Chase Roberts going to take that next step and become a number one? Or or Cody Epps or or Keanu Hill? So there's a lot of uh, storylines out there for spring football that's going to make it fascinating. BYU football will continue that conversation on the other side. Dave McCann joins us next. We'll talk quarterbacks and the Big 12 with Dave McCann next here on Cougar Sports Saturday. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. 